0: You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with the heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Father, help us now to see your word made flesh in Jesus Christ as the only solution to our greatest longings, our greatest fears, and our greatest inadequacies. We beg this by his name. Amen. You may be seated. Last summer, uh, this was in the news a little bit in Alabama, there was a woman named Lisa Theris who went missing in the woods outside of Montgomery and Bullock County. Did any of you remember this? Um, she uh, was missing for over three weeks, like 25 days um, in, a, in a part of the world that I mean isn't terribly remote, but she's legally blind and somehow she lost her glasses and uh, she can't remember how she ended up in the woods. Uh, she was totally naked. She can't remember how she lost her clothes. Uh, she remembers vaguely being with two men beforehand uh, and doesn't entirely, didn't entirely know uh, the whole story, but ended up after three weeks on a country road and a woman found her and she's covered with sores from bug bites and sunburns and you know hadn't bathed in uh, three weeks. So she was terribly dirty. Um, And there's a lot of speculation about this story still and and what really happened. A lot of the details from her side don't entirely add up. um, And some people are sort of dubious about what happened. Uh, But a few things are clear about this story. Lisa Theris was certainly in the woods the whole time. Uh, She lost 40 pounds and nearly died from starvation and dehydration. And she had the wounds from all the bug bites uh, to prove it. And she, uh, the, the police believe that she and the two men that she was with were probably on drugs at the time. Actually the two guys ended up getting arrested for murdering her and they thought that they had killed her. <laughs> they were so confused they didn't even know that they didn't kill her. So there's all this, you know, going on around this story. Um, whatever happened, uh, Lisa Therist found herself in the woods of central Alabama, naked and afraid, disoriented, and unable to see clearly because she's blind, nearly blind, and didn't have her glasses, and unclear about reality, and in need of help to get out. She needed the woman who found her to give her a ride uh, to a hospital um, so that she could barely uh, live. Our final reading tonight—we have tons of readings, and I can't talk about all of them—but our final reading tonight was from the beginning of the first letter of John, not to be confused with John's Gospel, chapter one, but this is 1 John, First uh, John, the first letter of John. And in his reading, in this reading, uh, John describes the spiritual state of many people as being comparable with what Lisa Therese experienced in the wilderness. They're lost in the wilderness, or as John puts it, they're walking in darkness. They're walking in darkness and cannot see clearly. Uh, Like Lisa, who's legally blind, they can kind of, sort of make out reality, but it's distorted. It's not entirely clear. They cannot make sense of ultimate reality clearly. Therefore, they're misled. And worse yet, they often mislead others. This is the sort of proverbial, the blind leading the blind. This is what John's talking about here. And this is actually the reason why John wrote the letter, that some people in the church are being misled by those who are in the dark, that some of the people who can't see clearly seem to be misleading others in the church. The people in the church are being drawn back out of the clearing into the woods, into the dark, Uh, The full nature of the teachings of the people who are misleading is not entirely clear, but we can make out some of the details from the clues in uh, John's letter, getting glimpses. uh, One of their uh, misleading teachings seems to be about the concept of sin, S-I-N, sin. Later in chapter 1, John will say, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And this is why our passage that we had uh, read today ends with the concept of sin. Well, what exactly is sin? What exactly are we talking about when we talk about sin? I'm sure that you've uh, heard this word used. Maybe you use it yourself. And many of us uh, in the 21st century don't like this word uh, because it seems to be overly negative. And generally, Americans don't like judging choices that people make for themselves. You know, we have a sort of attitude of, who am I to judge? You do you. Whatever floats your boat. You know, fill in the blank. We have these kinds of sayings. uh, And, you know, a person should, uh, you know, as long as they're not harming anyone else, who are we to judge them? And so that's why when we bring that sort of attitude to the concept of sin, we don't like it uh, because it sort of pushes back against uh, how we normally talk. But sin is not necessarily a a teaching about actions or activity, as most people think. The biblical understanding of sin is that of a state of being. When the New Testament talks about the the concept of sin, it seems to be talking about a state of being more than activity, that there's something not quite right about us, about people, about all people, Sin is is therefore the the source of all our unmet longings, fears, and shortcomings. It's a a core-level disease under the surface, like a cancer or something like that, that leads us to think bad thoughts and to do terrible things. So the sins are the symptoms of the disease that's under the surface. Are you tracking with me? That's called sin. Sin. And there seem to be people in John's audience who no longer believe this teaching, who no longer believe that's the case. I say no longer because it's clear from the rest of his letter that they once claimed at least two. And now they are either leaving the church or misleading others while remaining inside. So that's the first problematic teaching that we can discern from those who are in the dark misleading those in the church in John's uh, letter here. The other related problematic teaching that we can discern from John's letter is a denial that Jesus Christ is the one and only true path to rescue from sin. This is the second problematic teaching, namely that his being not only fully divine, but also fully human, uh, meant that he shed real blood as a sacrifice for humanity, for rebellious humanity. This is why John begins our reading today in the first three verses with a claim that John himself, that he himself spent time with the word of God made flesh, that he was there. I was there. John says, I was there with the body. I was, I could touch it. I was there with the blood that was shed on the cross. I heard it. I saw it and we touched it. Not just me, John, but the people that I was with. Um, So... If there's a denial about sin, then there's a denial of the need of rescue. And therefore, there's a denial that Jesus Christ was God made manifest as human for the sake of rescuing sinners. That's us, all of us, 100% of people. <clears throat> and John calls the spiritual state of denying these teachings as being in the dark, as being in the dark, that's being blind and lost in the woods. And the sad part is that unlike Lisa Ferris in Bullock County in Alabama, many people who are in a spiritual darkness are unwilling to admit they're, they're lost and in need of rescue. This spiritual dilemma remains the same for many of us here and now, just as it did 2,000 years ago to the church that John was writing to. Many of us and many people we know are in the dark, quote-unquote, so to speak, So many in our age are so far in the dark that they deny truth itself. Listen to this uh, recent editorial from uh, William Falk, who's the uh, editor-in-chief of The Week magazine. It's one of the very few magazines that I subscribe to because in a busy world, by the way, it's a great magazine to get. It's got sort of a centrist uh, kind of disposition and it summarizes the news from The Week. And each year they do a, a year in review. And so this was last week's The Week where William Falk writes his editorial in The Year in Review about the concept of truth He says, if there is a word that defines the year 2018, says dictionary.com, it's misinformation. By the way, last year it was, I kid you not, it was post-truth, so we're on the same theme. Uh, An inherited consequence of the information age, misinformation and its cousin, deliberate disinformation, is a rising flood tide of lies, delusions, and blind, adamant belief that uh, imperils our ability to govern ourselves. The pollution pours in from Facebook and other social media, Russian troll farms, and a White House that denies the objective truth, that objective truth exists. When asked why his client wouldn't testify in the Russian investigation, Trump lawyer Rudy Giuliani explained, quote, truth isn't truth. Do you remember this? There's no way uh, to determine who's lying and who's not truth is inherently partisan it's whatever you prefer to believe by the way that cuts both ways on the political spectrum to see where this leads consider Vladimir Putin's Russia the world's leading practitioner and exporter of Orwellian propaganda in a chilling piece the Washington Post this week examined how Russia is aggressively undermining the West concept of truth When the Kremlin was caught using a chemical weapon to poison a Russian double agent in Britain, Putin's disinformation machine pumped out a stream of conspiracy theories. Maybe Britain did this to make Russia look bad. After being bombarded with lies on state TV and social media, most Russians either believed Britain was behind the poisoning or said, it could have been anyone. The goal of such propaganda, experts told the Post, is to create doubt about the obvious to flood the zone with so many alternative explanations that people uh, begin giving up on the facts. Sound familiar? This may be foolishly optimistic, but my wish for 2019 is that the word of the year will be truth. I bet at some level, you can relate to what William Falk is saying here, that we live in a disorienting, age of confusion about what is actually true that the marketplace of idea is flooded with competing claims that's because we're subjected intentionally to misleading information and most misleading perhaps of all is the idea uh, that there's no such thing as truth I feel the disorientation myself most of my life has been spent feeling like I'm in a sort of tailspin. Things just weren't right, no matter how, you know, quote unquote, happy I thought I was, or no matter how well seemed th- things seemed to be going. I might have smiled, and when someone asked, I said I was fine to put up a front that uh, everything was going okay. But in my private thoughts, I felt completely lost and like a dishonest fraud. And like, by the way, everybody else had it figured out but me. Meanwhile, the solution had been staring me right in the face all of my life. And it was simple, almost too simple. So simple that it had become a sort of washed-up cliché. But I'll tell you, as someone with two master's degrees, one of which from an Ivy League institution, that I stake my life... And the life of my family, on the claim, the one simple claim, that Jesus Christ came as the Word of God made flesh as the solution for sin. Taylor Swift has a song that she came out with a few years ago on her album 1989 with, that makes a great catchphrase for what I'm talking about here. She says, are we out of the woods yet? Are we out of the woods yet? Are we in the clear yet? Are we in the clear yet good? Are we out of the woods yet? Are we out of the woods yet? Are we out of the woods yet? Are we in the clear yet? Are we in the clear yet good? I invite you tonight, like Lisa Theris, to come out of the woods and into the clear, to come out of the darkness and into the light where truth is seen clearly, to acknowledge that life is not the way that it should be, that there is more to life, and that you're in need of help from someone else. In this case, ultimately God himself to acknowledge that without the intervention of Jesus Christ you are spiritually blind and lost this is the ultimate meaning behind the Christmas story this is the ultimate meaning behind the Christmas story not ending in the manger but on the cross and at his resurrection a claim that there is such a thing as truth and truth himself was born as a baby so he could give his body and shed his blood for you on a cross for the redemption of your sins. Amen. Almighty God, you have given your only begotten Son to take our nature upon him and to be born of a pure virgin. Grant that we who have been born again and made your children by adoption and grace may daily be renewed by your Holy Spirit through our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom with you and the same spirit be honor and glory now and forever.